Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Julie Davidson. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. So, John 4. We're just going to open right up. This is Jesus. So, in John 1, this is where he begins, you know, his, he, it's his great unveiling. This uh, portion of scripture, to give you an idea, Jesus is at a wedding. We all know this story where, the, you know, the water turns into wine. And he's like, no, like, mom, I don't want to do this now. He knows what's about to ensue at the first miracle. So he unveils himself as like, hey, look, look what I can do kind of thing. And it begins this uh, adventure for him where people are now starting to follow him around and and word is traveling quickly about, you know, the miraculous power that they think is a man. Now people are starting to go, wait, who are you? You seem to have this power and authority that I haven't witnessed ever. And so what's happening is everywhere that he's going, crowds are coming and following him. And he's setting, he's beginning to set people free and setting miracles in motion. And word is traveling. So he's a little bit tired at this point. He's been... You know, as he's begun, he hasn't stopped yet, and he's, he's in this Samaritan village. He's just passing through, and he says to his disciples, like, I need a minute, guys. Like, go get some food. I'm going to take a minute and, and just sit here and kind of gather myself. Like, anybody else is, I'm an extroverted introvert. Anybody else is one of those? It's like, I, I get energy from being here. I get energy from being around people, but... If I'm going to stay sane and keep the people in my family alive, I need to go and be alone. And so I, I resonate with Jesus' example where he has to often go away and be alone. And so this is what he's doing here at the well. And he's sitting here alone and, and up comes to the well a Samaritan woman to come and to draw some water. This was, you know, for this place, this was their source. And Jesus said to this woman, give me a drink surprised that he was speaking to her, she says, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Now, if, like, if you want to lean into the tone of her voice here, she's used to being overlooked. She's used to being cast aside because at this time in history, a, a, a Jewish man, you know, even a Samaritan man, but a Jewish man would not speak to a Samaritan woman. It's like, they, they don't even exist. If, let's look at some of the stories. You know, there was 3,000 men and there were women and children because it was not normal to even name them. That was, actually, that was actually placing value. Some of us go, why didn't they count the women and children? Well, actually, including and, Jesus was teaching, and women and children were there. It's like, oh, wow. You, th- he was changing the narrative. He was changing the game. Like, Women were overlooked and underestimated, and Jesus in this moment, just by speaking to a woman, was placing value upon her. So she's ready to reject him. That's what's happening. Anybody else? Like, I'm going to reject you before you reject me. You know, I want to have the upper hand. That's what this one, why are you even speaking to me? Then Jesus said, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink. And I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. And this well is very deep. Like this woman, it's like, whoo, it's going right over her head. She's like, where's your bucket? He's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Where do you find this living water? Do you really think like you're greater than the ancestor Jacob who built this well? Like it's just going right over her head. 
You know, uh, Jesus answered her then. It's, it's a great dialogue. Um, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. He's going like, you could come here, sure. Is it going to satisfy that natural thirst that you have? Yeah, sure. But you're actually going to have to come. You're going to be coming back here again and again and again. If you come to this natural well, you're going to be found coming back. But if anyone comes to me and drinks living water, what happens? Uh, they'll never thirst again, and they will be forever satisfied. For when you drink, like lean into this. I love this language. When you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit. That, that it's, it says that it springs up and it floods you with endless life. That gives us um, a picture of something. You're not just going to be satisfied like, wow, like that really quenched my thirst. But this language is, is uh, telling us here this morning that not only will you be satisfied by my refreshment, by what I give to you, but it's going to bubble up. You're going to become a spring. You're going to become a source for other people to come in and around your life and drink and be refreshed. Like, this is a beautiful promise. The woman replied, I love this, immediately. She's like, let me drink that water <laughs> so I'll never be thirsty and won't have to come back here to draw water. I don't know about you, but if I had that kind of, I'm like, give me that. I want that. I don't want to keep coming back here. Like, this is exhausting. Give me living water. And this morning, I believe that there will be springs in Jesus' name that will burst forth in the places that have been dry. You know, Isaiah 41, it speaks about that. It says, in the wastelands, in the desolate places, in the dry places, I'm going to bring, like, spring up a well. I'm going to put a spring in those places. I believe this message is going to do just that. The areas of your life that have not, they've been untapped. They need to yet be broken open and breakthrough needs to come. I believe that this message will do that for your heart, for your soul, for your body, for your mind in Jesus' name. Let's pray super quick, okay? Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Amen. You know, there's places that we can go. And he's already here, so that was a waste of my time. But uh, there's places we go, aren't there? There's so many places that I run when I'm thirsty, <laughs> Anybody else, like, you thirsty, it's a hashtag for a reason. It's a saying for the reason for it, but this is a little bit different. We get, we get thirsty, desperate, you know, in seasons and in times when we're in pain, when life isn't so easy, when there's just stuff going on in and around your life, you know, re your relationships maybe get a little complex, and there's some tension. There's places that we want to run to, to ease that tension or that stress. There's, you know, I run to all kinds of places. One is the fridge. That's a, that's a big one. Another one is shopping, you know, and I'm found, you know, perusing like the winner's aisle, like frantically looking for the thing that I can put on so I can pretty the outside so I don't have to deal with the ugly stuff that's going on in the inside. Anybody else? No? Okay, cool. And the truth is you're found back there next Tuesday going, oh my gosh, I need another thing. Like, I need another fix. I need something else I can put in my house and be like, oh, that's so pretty. I feel better. And then you need something else to put in your house or on your body. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking to maybe the girls. Maybe there's some guys in the house that do this. But, you know, there's work. Work can be a healer. And it's not a good one because it only truly satisfies you when the promotion comes or when the accolade comes or when your boss goes, wow, like they look in on what's in your hand and they finally acknowledge what you've been doing and the progress you've made or the team that you've built. And it's like, 
oh, wow, but you know, that gets exhausting, doesn't it? Because if we put our uh, value and if we put our identity in the hands of other people, we've got to keep going back to that well, don't we? And it never truly satisfies. We have our iPhones. We, it's, you know, it's probably in your hand, if not on your lap or close to you because, oh, my gosh, you know, it's like cocaine, like, oh. Like, I need it. I know I want it. You wake up desperate to check, you know, who's looked in on my life? Who's liking whatever it is that I'm putting out there? We put, again, our, our, our value and our identity in the hands of other people. It's an empty well, but it is a well, isn't it? It's a place that we go. Are these places, like, evil, bad, in and unto themselves? No, they're not. But when they replace and when they distract from our access and our relationship with Jesus. And Jesus, he came to go, like, I don't want to just give you forgiveness. I want friendship. Like, I want to do this life with you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. When uh, things like this get in the way or replace or take the place of God, that's when it becomes dangerous territory. Because if, you see, the enemy cannot take your access to Jesus. He can't thwart it. He can't separate you from there is nothing, no thing can separate you from the love of, of Christ. But if he can distract you, then check, like, job well done. If I can just distract you from going to that place with Jesus, then, hey, no need to take it away. I'll just distract her. I'll just distract him. And what I found is these wells, they're, they're, they're real places, but they do not satisfy. And I want to share quickly here this morning, three uh, ways to stay hydrated, to truly be refreshed and restored in your relationship with Jesus. And, uh, you know, the first one is to be vulnerable. Let's be vulnerable and transparent with Jesus. I, what I found is I can put my best foot forward and, and he sees the other one. Anybody else? You know, you come to Jesus and you're like, hey, he's like, well, what about you? Like, no, hey, he's like, I, you have to. I know you have two, like, what's going on back there? He sees it. He sees it anyway. I remember living in our, uh, moving in, like, we moved into a new townhouse, and it was a rental. And so when you're renting, nobody wants to put, like, holes in the wall. You don't want to invest in the property. It's not yours. And uh, we were newly in this home, and so we had yet to invest in, you know, curtains and all of that. And... Uh, you know, very important to mention in our bedroom, in our bathroom, we did not put any curtains or anything. And uh, we had a system. It was a really good system. In the shower, we would put, you know, our towel over the glass. But unfortunately, the glass and the window were like right in line with each other. But, you know, I would do this thing, had a system. And as you know, I would leave the shower something would happen where I'd go, okay, I'm dry now, okay, I'm not going to mention whatever. And so I would just walk right on past the, the, you know, the big old window and then the other window in our, in our bedroom. And Caleb would be sometimes in there and he'd be like, babe, like, what are you doing? Like, they can see you out there. Like, what's the point of covering yourself up in the shower and then just walking on out of the bathroom? I'm like, I don't know, but like, I'm dry now, so now I'm not gonna be cold. Like, it made sense. He's like, but they're, they can see you. I'm like, they can't see me. It's not like they're like waiting, you know, like, when is, when is they're gonna take a shower? I'm like, they're not. I mean, maybe, oh gosh. Wait, wait a minute, okay? 
So then, Caleb, this is Caleb's style, okay? Like, 25 towels, like, on every corner. It's like a tiny corner. He's like, covering that up. He's like, people are waiting. They're watching me. They can't wait for me to shower, you know? So he's just covering everything up. I'm like, you, like, like, do you have vulnerability issues? Yeah. And he takes his shower, and then he dries himself off with his barricade, and then he gets out of the shower, and truly, like, he gets down on the floor, and he, like, army crawls. You know, like across the, my pants are too tight, I can't do it. But he army crawls like across the floor. And I stand back and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, wow, you two very different opposing styles, you know? And uh, we finally get Wi-Fi before we get curtains because priorities. And we're sitting in our bedroom, <laughs> looking at the, all the Wi-Fi names in our neighborhood and what pops up in capital letters, but I can see you naked. And I'm sitting there going, I'm like, do you think, like, do you think it's, do you think that's me? Because I can see the look on his face. I'm like, I feel like he feels like this is me. And he's like, do I think it's you? Like, hello, like, windows, like, boop, boop. I'm like, well, let me just check. Let me, like, look in the neighborhood. I go and I look at all the windows of, you know, in the suburbs. You can see, you, well, you can see. So I saw all the curtains on everybody's house. I'm like, babe, maybe, maybe it is me. He's like, maybe it is you. And we got curtains, like, that day or blinds or something along those lines. But isn't that just, like, you and I and the Holy Spirit? And it is, let me tell you how, <laughs> okay? This is it, we are kinda like Caleb. I'm, well, at least I am at times, not in this scenario, but it, in times when I'm walking through stuff and when there's stuff going on in my heart, I can come into environments like this or I can just be with Jesus, you know, and I'm avoiding and evading the very thing I need to talk about. Like I'm army crawling like around my issues, like you can't see me. And he's like, I can see you naked. And you're like, no, you can't. But I love, I love at the very beginning, you know, at the beginning of creation, he said they were naked, but they were without shame. Naked, but without shame. And do you know, want to know why? It's because, I mean, Jesus, we see this example in this story. When Jesus came to this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, let's remember the conversation that ensued. He started to say, come to me. Like, you're going to all these places. I know you're trying to meet a, a bigger need than a natural need in this well. It's not going to satisfy. You need me. You need Jesus. And the same is extended to us here this morning. He's like, I see you. I see you running around going to all these places, like trying to satisfy, and it's not meeting your need. You keep coming back. Just come over here to me. But as he begins to speak with her and as she lets her guard down and actually engages in the conversation, he goes on to ask the question, I believe in verse 16, where he says, you know, go and get your husband. And then she responds and says, well, actually, I don't have a husband. And he goes, that's right. You've had many husbands. You've had five husbands. And the one that you're with is, is not even your husband. Like, he's not committing to you. He's, you're not even in a committed relationship with him. And I don't know about you, but I have read that portion of scripture, and I've held it in such a way of like, oh, gosh. You know, like, Jesus just called this woman out, you know, on her behavior, on, you know, how she's kind of been all over the place. And the truth is, as I've read that and what I know about Jesus and what I know from my own relationship with the Holy Spirit, 
it never resonated. I never understood it. And to go a little bit into context at this time is, you know, marriage at this time, it was almost in a worse state than it is in North America today, to the point where when Jesus said, you know, to his disciples, he's like, you know, one thing is, is to keep your marriage, like, keep it for the two of you, like, be committed, like, be all in. This is a forever thing. Marriage is, is for forever. And, and Peter responds like, how can anybody keep this, you know? They were so shocked that Jesus would say marriage is forever in this culture. Like, who can keep that? You know, that, that's the context. These are the disciples. So you can imagine, like, this is, not, this is kind of a, a fresh idea. But on the other end of it, if there was a divorce, if there was a separation and parting of ways, the woman was never, she was not allowed to leave her husband, no matter the, the abuse, no matter what was going on in the, in the marriage, in the relationship, she was not allowed to leave. It was only a man who was allowed to divorce himself and choose to disconnect from the relationship. And so what does that say to us here this morning? That this woman has been rejected five times. She's been rejected. She's been cast aside. She's been told she's not good enough. She's been like, oh, like, I'm over you. I'm tired. Like, I'm bored. Moving on. Next. Like, thank you. Next. If you didn't know, I use this joke a lot. But the original inspiration for this song was actually this story. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you know I was kidding. It didn't work. It fell. It didn't land. Um, it's all good. Moving on. But this, you know, this woman, she's been, just put yourself in her shoes. This woman has been rejected. And Jesus is going, hey, go and get your husband. You know what he's doing? He's like, I see that other foot. That's what he's doing. He's like, hey, like, can we, can we have some honest dialogue here? Like, I like this. I like this connection we have going. But how quickly Jesus goes, let's talk about that. Like, can I pull what you're trying to hide in the background? Like, you can't see, like, <laughs> you can't see that, you know? He's like, can we talk about that? It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> talk about what, you know? And he's like, let's bring that out into the forefront. Yeah, right, you've had, you've had five. And I believe with compassion and, like, great empathy in his eyes, she was met, you know, with this understanding that, oh, gosh, that's right, you've had five, like, Oh, man, like, can we talk about that? Like, I see the pain. I see why you're here. I see why you're not with, you know, you're not down there in the city amongst the people because you're isolating. You're hiding. You can't be amongst the people because what could they, you know what they think about you. You know what has been said about you. You hear it as you walk through the crowd. You wear the labels that they put on you. You're wearing the rejection like, I want to take that off of you. You don't need to walk like that. You don't need to talk like that. You can actually lift your head like lift your head like put your eyes up like he's like come on let me in on the pain and the same invitation is extended to you and I here this morning to to go okay like I love our connection I love that we have this dialogue together and this friendship but can we take it like to the next level I believe that 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 invitation is being extended to us like this Christmas season, it's a beautiful time to kind of sit with a nice coffee by the fire and, and truly take a minute to go, okay, Holy Spirit, I know you see. I know you see my history. You know it all. Like you know. I, I, 
actually want to, I want to bring you in. I, I, I believe that this Christmas season, he's going to start, you know, just lovingly and graciously because he's a gentleman. He's not going to knock down the door. But I love in Psalm 139, where a little bit later, after David's like, break their teeth, like, cut them open, eat them for lunch. You know, he's like so angry at the people around his life that are coming at him. And that can be like our prayers, you know, it's like, get him, God, you know, and it's like, whoa. And then he reins it in and he's like, you know, search me. Like, okay, pause, say, love, reflect. You know, search me and, and see if there be any path of pain that I'm walking on. Maybe my perspective is from the pain. Like, just, just test me, Holy Spirit. Like, God, like, test me. See if there be any anxious or path of pain and, and lead me off of it. I, I love that dialogue that David is being honest, but then he brings it back around like, okay, no, God, search me. Look, look into me. That vulnerability and that transparency that we ought to have with the Holy Spirit. Because in Hebrews 4.16, it says, come boldly, doesn't it? This is Paul. He says, come boldly before my throne of grace to receive mercy's kiss at the time of your greatest strength. No, it's at, your, at the time of weakness, the time when you're trembling with fear, at the time where you just messed it up big time. It's like, come boldly. You know, religion would say, like, I did something bad, like, I've got to, like, hide from dad. But relationship with, with, with Jesus, it says, like, gosh, I messed it up. I need dad. Like, I need his touch. I need him to restore me and put the broken pieces back together. Vulnerability, transparency, and two, ditch, ditch the monologue life with, with God and embrace and experience dialogue with Jesus. This is one of my favorite. Like, it's, I get so excited talking about this because truly, like, I was in a season when I was 18 years old, living in Sydney, Australia. And I might have referenced this a couple times, but I was in a season where, you know, it's just, I would say I was a young girl, still figuring out my identity, who I was, my, the authority that God has given me figuring out my personality, all that stuff. But the most important I realized in this season was if I could get my relationship with Jesus right, like if I could lay a foundation in this season, it would be, you know, me and Jesus. I understood what was next without truly understanding. I knew what was coming. I knew marriage was coming. Babies were coming. I didn't know the beauty of this house was coming, but I had a vision for it. I, I had great, you know, dreams. And I knew if I was ever going to step out and into that, all that God had for my life, and the same goes for you. It's like if you only knew, I'm sure some of us are sitting here today, like if I only knew at 18 what I'd be doing, I might have put in some greater hard yards of laying a, a strong foundation because we didn't know the storms that would come. We didn't know the responsibility that was coming at work. We didn't understand the four, you know, beautiful children that we were going to birth or three or two or one because, whoa, it just kids are crazy. But um, I needed a foundation. And so I wanted to shift my relationship with Jesus because I was relating to him with like my best foot forward. I was coming in using words like thee and thou and hast. What does hast even mean? I was like, okay, like New King James Version, is this how we do? You know, like, 
And I, I was, I needed to shift it. I had greater relationship and connection with like my friends than I did with Jesus. And I'm reading in scripture, even moments like this with the woman at the well, it's like, Jesus said, the woman replied. And then Jesus said to her, like, no woman, you don't get it. And then she was like, oh gosh, I do want that. You know, I saw the dialogue just in Jesus's stories as he walked and talked fully God, fully man. I'm like, okay. So Jesus left me his Holy Spirit, and he promised it'd be better. So I should be having dialogue. I should be experiencing friendship with Jesus. I should be able to drive in my car and sense his presence and, and feel him speak to me, not just on my behalf, but for the people that I'm about to encounter. I, I should be able to encounter him in a real and in a personal way. And so what did I do? I picked up my cell phone. And I said, okay, this now is going to be me and you, Jesus. I'm going to talk to you on my cell phone. And still to this day, you know that song? He used to call me on my cell phone. Down out all the rest of the words. That's where I drop out. Me, 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 me. It's a weird, like, weird sound. Toby, I feel like you know it. Do you want to sing it? Toby, Toby. This is your moment. What key? D? <laughs> you used to call me on my cell phone. Late night, no. That was a trap. No, he doesn't know. Whatever. We'll post it on our Instagram later. Nobody will get it. But when that song comes on, I'm like, yeah, like that's our song. Like, Jesus, that's our jam. Because there was a season where I literally spoke to Jesus on my cell phone. Very important. Put your phone on silent. Because when you're talking to Jesus, <laughs> he's real, he's real. <laughs> that's like that Friends episode, you know, Joey. He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, you don't get it, Joey. Some of you also didn't get that joke. Um, but when you're talking and it rings, that's, that's a very awkward scenario. But I remember being on a bus one day and I was like, oh gosh, like just frustrated. Something, somebody said something at college or whatever. I was irked. It irritated me. I'm just talking to him about it. And that's what started to happen. I, I stopped going like, oh dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this beauty. I'm like, why am I British? <laughs> you know? <laughs> It was what happened. <laughs> or that, in that season, I was like, worship, you know, Darlene. I was like, I love you. <laughs> I am you. Um, but I remember being on my phone and being like, oh, just started to, I was just like processing some stuff. And then I, for the first time, honestly, this is the first time where I felt him speak to me. Like I was like, wait, is that his voice? Is that my voice? Is that his voice? They can't, they, they are in the same place. Like it's, it's. I mean, he lives on the inside of you, so <laughs> hello, it can kind of be a little complicated. So I'm going, okay, is that you? He goes, get off this bus and go and check for a book titled Humanity. And I was like, okay, so random. Like left, okay, this is left. <laughs> it's your left. <laughs> left field. <laughs> you guys are like, should we go home? <laughs> no, stay, stay, stay. <laughs> um, Left field, truly, I was like, okay, and I, pull, I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to think, I'm going to do it. 
boom, I pull the thing, ding. I get off the bus, I'm like, this is so weird. I'm talking, I'm like, this better be good. Like, this better be right. I go into the thing, turn off the phone. And I go into the lady at the little place and I go, hey, do you have a book called Humanity? And she goes, let me take a look. She starts looking. I see a red book pop up. She goes, we do have a book called Humanity, but it's not in stock. It takes about two weeks. I'm like, no, it's okay. I don't need it right now. It's fine. I don't need it. It's all good. I leave. I pick up the phone. I'm like, what was that? What in the world? That was so embarrassing. Like, why would you do that to me? And I'm walking along frustrated again and now embarrassed. And so I put that in my back pocket and didn't tell anybody for a good two weeks. And uh, still didn't tell anybody. My friend Andrew calls me from a coffee shop. Goes, come on down, hang out. You're doing nothing. Meet me here. I go there. I'm drinking coffee in the back. He's in the front. He goes, hey, Jules. I'm like, yeah. It's like, come here. I want to show you something. A little note. At this point in my life, I was a 97, no, 99% feeler on those quizzes or whatever. And what I was talking to God about in this season was like, gosh, I want to over, I don't want to be led by my feelings. I understand this is a part of my personality and it is a blessing and you'll use it. But right now, gosh, it's leading me. I'm not leading them. I need to overcome. Okay, noted. I forgot to mention that. I'm in the back. I come on up. He goes, I found a book that I think you would love. And he holds it up. It's this red book, humanity across the top. I went, oh. And then I started abusing him. I was like, oh my gosh, what? He's like, what? Oh my gosh, what? I'm like, you have no idea. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, God, like Jesus, that was you. That's what you sound like. You kind of sound like me. <laughs> like, but it's a little different. I, it, it, it came in. Again, I almost did the right field again. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay. It kind of came out of nowhere. It sounded like me, but that was, okay, that was you. And I, I told him the story. He went, that's wild. So then he wrote a little note inside, and I still have it. That was the first time I heard, you know, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you know, there's the word of God, which is our foundation. You know, you live there. It says, abide, abide in my word. Abide in it. Like, let it, like, feed you and nourish you. Be more uh, dependent upon this word than you... Then you are bread, okay? And I sometimes go to bread first. We gotta make sure the order is right. Like, come here for your sustenance. Without this, you have nothing. But there's also the rhema word. That is like, this is the word, the prophetic word. There's words of knowledge. There's all kinds of ways. Dreams and vision. There's all kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit, I mean, he's got a resource of ways to speak to you. There is no lack inside of God. And so... It awakens something, and I pray that it awakens something in your heart. I pray that this holiday season, truly, you would ditch that, that monologue life, give some breath, give some room, like pause, like throw it out there and wait. When we talk on the phone, I mean, it would be, you'd be a bad friend if you just kept going. Oh, yeah, my day, and just run on sentences, and they're like, I, I kind of had something to say about that, but okay, you keep going. Okay, I had a word, but that's okay. You keep going. We love our word above the word of God. Sometimes we're more desperate to hear the sound of our own voice over the word of God. And we bring our stuff to the Holy Spirit so his word can overwhelm what's overwhelming. So his word can get bigger in our heart and in our mind and in our souls. And so it can rise above and overcome what's overcoming us. 
in Jesus' name. So, yes, ditch the monologue. Embrace dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Does this mean you need to get on your cell phone, turn it on silent this Christmas, and walk around Bayshore Shopping Center? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Hear the heart. However you can make this yours and however you can start engaging like this in your relationship with Jesus, let this just inspire you and get the wheels turning and the heart turning towards Jesus, maybe in a, in a different way. And three, this is the outcome. As we come to Jesus and as we experience, you know, that vulnerability and you bring him in on the real stuff, I love what God has been doing in our women. Anybody else in the house has been in a She Is Free Connect group, okay? The girls are getting free, and I'm so loving it. It's been so beautiful. What's happened is as we've, we have brought our vulnerabilities in, and we've been quite transparent, like I'm so proud of us. I'm proud of us because we've been so uh, brave to be honest with, with the, the storms and the stories and where we've been and what's happened and scenarios that are quite heavy. But as we've brought it, you know, into the light, it, God has been able, it's like there's, there's exposure in light, right? So it's like, oh gosh, like, here I am. You can see it all. But there's something beautiful in that place because now the Holy Spirit's like, okay, I can, now I can, now I see you. Now you, you want me to see you is really what it is. Now you're willing, going, okay, God, look. Like, look, like, see if there would be any path of pain. That's how it can feel. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, now I get to go to work. And he gets to put all the pieces back together that were broken by whoever it was or the misjudgments from childhood or the dad that was there, but he wasn't there like you needed him. Or maybe it's a, a mother, a relationship like that that was a bit tense and fractured or, I don't know, the words from childhood that were spoken over you, just the lies that come to steal and to destroy the God deposit on your life, whatever it is, as you step out into the beautiful light, he gets to put you back together. And what happens, like this woman who comes out of the shadows, she comes from, you know, I love the language where it says Jesus, you know, he was at the edge of the well. He's at the edge of the well. And I believe the same goes for you and me. Whatever well you find yourself at, like going to, like, okay, I'm just, I need this. You know, what is it that you cling on to that you need to satisfy you, that natural place? Jesus is just at the edge of it. He's like, I'm right here. You know, I see you. I see you, boo. But I'm like here. Okay, I'm right here. Just like a couple like centimeters away from that well. I'm right here. He's at the edge of the well. And when he brought her in and he started to heal her and put her back together, something beautiful happened because this woman, what you might not know, there were five men. There were five men. Can we change the tone? Like, what do I need? I need like... This is how I find love. Something like that, okay? It's no, like, something a little more greedy, Nick. He's thinking, guys. The wheels are turning. Fight my battles. This is how I find Boat? Okay, cool. Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> this, this woman, she's at the well. And he invites her in, okay? Let's deal with that other foot. Let's deal with the stuff in the background. The five husbands, okay? But five, 
There were five that rejected her. Let's think about that. One, two, rejected, 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 rejected. And now this sixth man doesn't even want to like claim you and commit to you. I can imagine he knows the reputation she has. He's like, you're good for one thing, but I'm not going to commit to you. I'm not going to actually say like I do and I, I put my arm around you and walk around this place like I'm, I'm proud of who I get to do life with. This sixth man, okay, six, what does six symbolize? Six, the whole team, come out, the whole team. Just come on out, Chad, I love you, thank you. Hold it down. Okay, so the sixth man, sorry, it's my musical like background. I'm like, I'm not vibing. It needs to be a little more peppy. Okay, but the sixth man, but I love you guys. I understand. I'm a creative, I have feelings. Okay, so, so this sixth man, <laughs> the six symbolizes man, okay? It symbolizes like you doing it in the flesh. That's anything like, okay, flesh, what is flesh? Anything that's like this, okay? It's you. It's you trying to put your life back together. I've been in seasons where I'm like, okay, Jesus, I know I have like come boldly before the throne of grace in your greatest time of need, but just give me like a minute because I think I can do it. You know, it's seasons like that where you go, whoop, put them on the shelf. I don't trust you right now because of that loss, because like, I don't understand what you did in that season. So like, I'm good. I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm gonna go to this well over here. He's on the edge. He's like, okay, I'm here when you need me. It's those seasons and those times where you put him up in the shelf or you avoid him and you evade him because you're like, oh gosh, I don't know if you still love me because remember what I did in 2018? So I'm just gonna do it alone over here because I understand you can't handle this mess. And so you try to put your life back together like this woman from one man to the next man, flesh, okay? Trying to meet this need in her brokenness and the rejection that she was wearing and the labels that she was wearing. She was going to all kinds of places. And that could be like you and me. It's like, oh, like, gosh, I'm exhausted. I get a picture of uh, Psalm 23 where it's beautiful, isn't it? Where it says that he's the good shepherd and he, he leads you. Like, I picture a shepherd. I saw one of the sheep today in the back. I was like, you're so cute. He went, Hurr. I was like, ooh. It's like, you need, you need to be shepherded. And he was like, he didn't like it. But that can be like you and me, can it? We can have some issues. Like, oh, I'm angry at the world. And it's like, we need a shepherd to go, come with me, like, like hooked by the neck. Like, oh, gosh, you know. That's what I picture. He's a shepherd. And we're like, Matt, what do I do? Like, where do I go? He's like, come with me. We're like, okay. And he just takes you. And it doesn't say, like, do you want to? Like, do you want? There's some nice water here. It's still, it's going to make you, like, normal again. Do you want to, like, sit down? He goes, no, he makes you. <laughs> lie down. <laughs> he makes me. Because we don't want to lie down, do we? We want all the glory. We're like, look at me. <laughs> look what I can do. Okay, Jesus, I see you on the cross, but look what I can do. Ooh. It's like, he's like, just lie down, gosh, with love. He makes you lie down, and he restores in that place. You're like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to sit still. Oh, I hate sitting still. He's like, okay, 
now I can restore you. Like, drop it. Drop the performance. Drop all the stuff. Like, drop the things that you're clinging on to for life. Life is not in that well. It's a dead end. It's a dead well. It's a well, but it leads to dead ends. And he's like, come on, drop it. I'm going to make you lie down, whether you want to or not. And this woman, this is what she does. When she meets, now the sixth, sixth man is, is, is man, it's striving, it's flesh, it's human. The seventh man enters her story, and that is Jesus. And what does seven mean? Oh, let me tell you. It means perfection. It means completion. It means wholeness. So the seventh man walks on into her life. And in a moment of connection with the seventh man, Jesus, in a moment where he's like, come on, let's talk about it. She is made complete and whole in that dialogue with Jesus to the point where something beautiful happens. Let's read it together, shall we? It says, all at once, all at once, all at once. I believe some of you here need to hear that this morning. Because when I began this message, I said, listen, the places that are dry, the desolate places, go there. What is the desolate place? Like, what is that place? Okay. We think, we, we put it into human context of, you know, it takes six months to a year to build a house by human effort, right? There's all kinds of timelines in human strength and in human effort that we accomplish and that we, you know, begin and complete. But in God and with God, and with our relationship with Jesus, what happens? It's, it's like an and suddenly. It's an all at once. It's an all at once moment. And I believe some of us are going, I'm gonna have to, like it's been 10 years of brokenness, so it's gonna be 10 years of restoration. No, 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 not with the Holy Spirit. It's an all at once moment. He's in the business. You know, miracle prime time. It's miracle prime time. All at once, the woman, dropped her water jar, dropped her water, that's powerful. That's a powerful visual. She, the very thing she came to fill, to lower into the natural well, she went, whoop, I don't need this anymore, crash, broken. She runs now and leaves it behind. And what does she do? She runs off to the village. She runs into the village. Okay, this girl was the girl who was hiding at the well. Like, don't look at me like, gosh, like I'm hiding. The very girl who is hiding from the people is now, there's a boldness that comes over her. There's something that comes on her. She's now anointed to bring a gospel and to bring good news in the same way that we are. You are now anointed to bring good news, to preach good news to the poor, to set people free, to open up blind eyes and open up deaf ears. This is our authority. And she begins to walk in it. And she runs. And I can just imagine there are some of the guys there. The five men who rejected her were probably still there, you know, in the village. And she's like, I don't care. I'm coming for you too. It's like, you kind of suck. And you really hurt me. But you need this too because like he's so good. I don't even care. Like you need a savior and you need a savior and you need a savior. Look under your seat. You need a savior. And he goes, come on. And what happens? The whole village. 
language. It says, hearing this, hearing this testimony, hearing the beautiful restoration work that has happened in this woman's life, I can imagine they knew how she walked before. Head down, shame-filled. Now this woman is running with a mission and a vision and an identity that's been put back together. What happens is they come streaming, streaming out of the village to hear. And this woman, what does she say? Come, come and meet a man who told me everything I have ever done. If we read that in context of what we thought the tone of Jesus' voice was before, that doesn't make sense, does it? But no, she's like, come and meet a man who told me everything that I've ever done. And he put it all back together. He saw me. He saw the shame. He saw the rejection like he saw the pain. And he met me there. And with compassion and empathy, he saw me. He saw me and he didn't just see me, but he healed me. He restored me. He put me back together. Come and meet that man. Why don't you stand up to your feet here this morning? We're gonna just We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.